Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're a truth teller and a grace giver. That you tell us the truth so that we might know exactly who we are and exactly what is before us and exactly what is asked of us. And we thank you that you're a grace giver. Your grace forgives our sins and it empowers us to live an obedient life. And so, Lord, as we open up the Bible to hear your words, things that you, while on the earth, said, it is a very sacred thing. We don't take it lightly or for granted. We need to hear about your love and mercy and your grace for us. We ask, Lord God, for the emotional and mental energy to consider every word of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. So today we're going to talk about passion and urgency. It's from Luke chapter 12, verse 49 to 53. Here's what he says. Quote, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divide against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, and mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So you can feel the passion when Jesus speaks about his purpose and his mission. He's all fired up. And it's interesting that when people get all fired out up about something, there usually is conflict not too far away. And so it is with Jesus as well. As his passion, enthusiasm, his zeal, commitment, devotion, and then the passion of his followers is going to cause some division even among our closest relationships. Jesus has a job to do, a baptism to undertake. His mission was to live without sin and to die on the cross in our place for our sin, that it might glorify the Father and do good for us, so that then he could baptize us following his resurrection with the same kind of fire and passion and purpose. And Jesus does just that. He goes to the cross. He suffers. He dies. He rises. He conquers our enemies of sin, Satan, death, hell, and the, even the wrath of God is appeased because of what Jesus did for us. He ascends back into heaven and the sequel to this book of Luke, the book of Acts, penned by the same author, the Holy Spirit descends upon the church and resting above the Christians are something like flames of fire. You can read about it in chapter 2. That as the Holy Spirit indwells us, we become set aflame with a passionate love for Jesus. It's a fire that burns within us. And that's kind of the metaphor and so, as God's children, filled with God's Holy Spirit, filled with faith in Jesus Christ, and a love for Him because of what He's done for us, this passion, this flaming fire of devotion, it leads to both excitement 
and also an endurance. We're excited about Jesus and the things of Jesus. And then there's an endurance. There's a long life of obedience and discipline and devotion and commitment toward Jesus. And that leads to division. And Jesus warns us, not everyone will respond favorably to our passion about Jesus. That, in fact, we will have, he says, division. He's come to bring division. Not purposely, but that's what's going to happen when the truth comes in the midst of error. That as we are devoted to Jesus, some are opposed to Jesus. As we are devoted to a lifestyle that honors Jesus, some are opposed to our lifestyle that honors Jesus. And we're not to be rude about it. We're not to be mean about it. We're not to be self-serving or haughty or proud or religious. But invariably, invariably, you need to know that if you are passionate about Jesus, you will experience conflict, division, strife in your life. It's inevitable. Jesus experienced it, and so will you. And he says that this will include conflict with your family. And that is some of the most painful and difficult and complicated conflict that there can be with your parents, with your siblings, with your own children. And that's what Jesus says. Many of you have found that this is actually true. The more devoted you are to Jesus, the more complicated some of your relationships become with those people who are closest to you, family, friends, co-workers. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's only one way of salvation, and that means that all other ways or all other religions or all other belief systems, though they may have some moral merit, they might have some good in them, they are wrong because they lead us away from the truth of Jesus. Now, if you actually believe this and express it, someone's not going to like it. Someone with your last name is not going to like you. So what do you do? And for many of you, this has been a real painful experience. It's, it's hard. It's hard to stay passionate and zealous and fired up for Jesus when people think you're, think you're crazy. Now, Jesus is telling us this not to discourage us, but to instruct us and inform us and prepare us what's coming down the road. This is how it's going to be. Your faith is going to be tested. Your zeal is going to be challenged. Your resolve is going to be confronted. And your passion is going to be proven. Certain people are always going to try and throw water on your fire. And their goal is to get your flame to be as small as possible, perhaps even extinguish it altogether. Should you say or do anything wrong, they'll immediately jump on the opportunity to point out your hypocrisy. Jesus tells us that to become a Christian is to be set aflame with a never-ending passion for God and the things of God, and that those who do not share that passion will invariably keep trying to put water on the flame. 
And so this becomes a very sobering word for us. It should not be discouraging, but it's a sobering word to really contemplate what cost you're willing to pay to maintain a red-hot devotion for Jesus. Some have settled for a very small flame of passion for Jesus. It's barely noticeable in their life. The flame is not out, but it's as small as possible. And maybe it's private and not public. Hi, my name is... I'm a closet Christian. I pray that not be you. How to kindle a spirit-fired passion? How do we get that passion and love and joy for Jesus back? How do you keep yourself hot, motivated, passionate toward Jesus, your Lord and Savior? Well, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a short, brief list. These we call spiritual disciplines, and they're very, very helpful. And I can tell you firsthand that practicing these spiritual disciplines really, really do work. I I witnessed this this past summer on our mission trip to Sachigo Lake. I could just simply say, if you want to become passionate for the Lord, go on a mission trip. Spend some time with other brothers and sisters in the faith and be disciplined and purposeful in what you're doing. It's not the going on the trip. It's what we did on the trip. It's the spiritual disciplines that we practiced that fueled the passion. And you can do the same at home. So let's take a quick look at them. First of all, number one, community. It starts with community. If you want to build a fire, you need kindling. This helps to stoke a fire and keep it going. Am I right? And what I learned very quickly in building a hot fire, you need a stack that logs together. And once you stack the logs together with the right kindling, once you light the kindling, then the kindling heats up into a set of coals, and then the kindling as coals starts to heat up the logs. And then the logs, if they're appropriately stacked with a little bit of air movement among them, they burn off one another. You get a fantastic flame that burns for a long time and generates a lot of sustaining heat. The Christian life is like that. Spiritual disciplines are like kindling. It gets the fire started, turns into good hot coals to keep it burning, and community is stacking the logs appropriately together. It's Christians in relationships, in friendships, in groups, in ministries working together, in Bible studies learning together, in mission teams serving together, stacking together, being together. A log won't burn very long all by itself. Everyone knows that. You can take a flaming log that's red hot, fully heated up, remove it from the stack, isolate it, and before long, it's down to embers, it's smoldering, it's dark, and the flame is extinguished. The hottest seasons of your life with God have been those in community, and the coldest seasons in your life spiritually have been when you're alone. It's true of all of us. It's why God said it's not good for us to be alone. That's why he gave us the church. He gave us one another. The gathering together of his people we call the church. So let's let's get a lot of church. It's good for us. Don't miss your appointed time when the family of God comes together. Don't miss that. 
it's important. Number two, scripture, of course. The kindling scripture, it's reading the Bible. It's how God talks to us. It's also reading good Christian books that help us understand the Bible. So, daily devotions with discussion bound our team together. The scriptures fuel our faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Third spiritual discipline, prayer. Prayer, it's talking to God. We pray together for people, for concerns, for community. We pray that God would guide us to do his will. It's so important to keep on praying. Four, worship. Worship, it's a lifestyle. It's also coming together as the church, and that includes, we think of singing. It includes preaching the word of God. So we're there hearing God's word explained to us. Sometimes God has some pretty harsh words for us, and those are words are words of rebuke or correction or instruction, but never condemnation because in Christ there is no now no condemnation for us. Rather, his words convict us, which move us to repentance and want to change. It's an invitation. It's God saying, maybe there's a problem. I'm here. Let's work on it. And singing, responding to God, saying, thank you for being willing to help me, dear God. I'm willing to have you help your help right now. Please, Lord God, help me. And so there's a sense of passionate urgency. We worship together on on mission trip, not just on Sunday, but we were asked to lead a large part of the community in a visitation or a wake service for the elder who died. We sang, we prayed, we read the Bible, and we preached, and this helped keep the passion strong. Fifth spiritual discipline is giving. It includes giving because as Jesus has already said in Luke 12, where your heart is, your treasure is. If you want your heart to be toward God and the things of God, then give your money toward God and the things of God and your passion will follow. This past week we spent away from our comforts and our convenience, right? And instead of Taking, 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 we spent our time giving, giving, giving. Instead of worrying about our own needs and wants, we focus on the needs and wants of the community, of the children, of others, very purposefully. You keep interested in something when it's personally going to cost you. So you become a giver, not a taker. And you take a look at your life right now and ask yourself am i is my life characterized by giving or taking number 6 spiritual discipline serving finding people and places in which you could be of assistance and make a contribution and help who can i help what can i do where can i serve And that helps us to grow in our appreciation that our Savior is a humble Savior and Jesus is a God who serves us. He came to serve. We serve the kids. We serve the elders. We serve the community. We found ourselves less as guests and more as servants. We talked to a lot of people. We served a lot of people and we served each other. And I'll 
I'll prepare the meal. I'll do the dishes. I'll help with the crafts. I'll help with the games. I'll help with the child care. Service. Seven. Obedience. Rekindling your passion involves obedience. This is doing what God said, even when you don't feel like it. God says, obey me. And we say, I don't know, I don't feel like it today. And God says, you can still obey me. And obedience keeps us from harm. It really does. Obedience keeps us from danger. And sometimes in the act of obedience, our heart comes around and we feel differently. It's true. Up north, we followed strict rules for the safety and well-being of the team and our witnesses. We put aside our wants and our needs and obeyed the rules for the sake of a good witness in the community and good teamwork. Number eight, evangelism. This is the last one. Is talking to people, building relationships, loving and serving and enjoying people. It's less about the agenda and more about enjoying people and the agenda follows. We want people to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation. And that will come as they hear our words. And that will come as they trust us. So we spoke to a lot of people. Being around people who are different helps to remind us that we are really, you know what? not that different. We might live in different places, but we all share the same common desires. We want to belong. We want to be loved. We want to be cared for. We want to have purpose and meaning in our life, and we, we want to have hope in a, in a good future. So we talk to people who by their very nature and culture are shy, and we made the effort to value them and encourage them, and we shared Jesus with them, and they valued us in return. The other thing Jesus talks about in this part, this little part of the Bible, is urgency. So there's passion, and then there's urgency. Jesus speaks of a sense of urgency in Luke 12, 54 to 56. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? Hmm. Two things Jesus speaks of, the weather and judgment. We'll deal with the weather first. Jesus is saying that some people are far too concerned about the weather. Think about it. It's so true. You don't know what to talk about. You talk about the weather. Nothing has changed. We're still concerned about the weather. When you get a phone, a smartphone, the one app you don't even need to download is the weather app. It's already on there. They just give you that once because they know everyone wants it. Everyone wants to know what the weather is going to be like. Why? Why do people want to know the weather? Well, in that day, they would track the wind and they'd look at the clouds and that was their version of a weather app. They're, tr they're trying to figure out what the weather's going to be like because you want to prepare for the future. 
And what Jesus says is some of us are almost obsessively interested in the weather in anticipation and preparation for our future. And we don't even get ready for eternity. Are you going to heaven or hell? You say, well, I don't know. But I know what the temperature will be tomorrow. It's okay, no, it's okay to know what the temperature will be tomorrow. Nothing wrong with that. But that is not the most important future you need to prepare for. Not just tomorrow. That's Jesus' point. You need to get prepared for forever because it's a long time. Heaven and hell are real. You will die and live forever somewhere and you need to prepare for eternity. We tend to divert our attention. We tend to distract ourselves from thinking about long-range planning for an eternal future by short-term planning for an immediate future. Some check their weather app more than they check their heart. Some are prepared for the seasons with their latest fashion and wardrobe, but they're not prepared to stand before God with the robe of Christ's righteousness upon them. So what Jesus is saying, if you're someone who's trying to figure out what to wear tomorrow, don't overlook what you'll wear forever. Do not delay. There's the urgency. If you're going to get prepared for the weather, get prepared for the judgment. That's kind of Jesus' point. Whether it's hot or cold tomorrow is not nearly as important as whether you go to heaven or hell forever. So get ready for that day when you stand before your Creator. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have died, that you sent Jesus to die so that sin could be put to death and that you have Jesus risen, that eternal life could be granted freely. God, we confess Hard words produce soft people and soft words produce hard people. Jesus, we thank you for the hard words because they come from the mouth of the one who has loved us the best and therefore they are good, good words. Holy Spirit, help us to receive Jesus' words and to obey them that we might receive the gift of repentance and give the gift of repentance to others, not just once, but every day in Jesus' name. Amen.